The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. podcast. I'm here today with Alex Newman. We're in person. This is the first time we're doing an in-person interview. How yep. are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Courtney. Great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And, an honor uh, and a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So what? tell me, you, you've you been doing so much lately. So I want to hear you were telling me you're really down the climate rabbit hole right now. What's going on with that? Yeah, well, I've been down the climate rabbit hole since I graduated from journalism school in 2009. One of the first big assignments I got was to go to the UN Climate Summit in Copenhagen. That was the COP15, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the most recent one I went to was the COP27. So that's 12 years of following this clown show around the world. And uh, it's getting more and more intense. When I went to the first one in 2009, there was kind of like a, a fun atmosphere. There was some really weird stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like the, the Chicoms came and they're like, look, here's our chart. And we would have had this many children, but we did forced abortions and other things. And so now there's less CO2 emissions. They had this weird formula about how much less CO2 there was thanks to their insane coercive population control apparatus. Like, hey, you should be thankful. Uh, so that was weird. But uh, <laughs> um, and I got to run into Nancy Pelosi and, you know, the whole clown car there. But it was a lot of fun. There was just a guy dressed in a polar bear coming around saying, take me to Phil Jones. That was the climate gate scandal where all these climate scientists got busted conspiring to hide the decline in temperatures, to uh, silence their critics, uh, hide the data from other researchers. So it was kind of a fun atmosphere. The most recent one I went to in um, in Egypt on the Sinai Peninsula, this was uh, late last year, it was like, you know, a whole nother level. Like uh, the Secretary General of the United Abominations, um, uh, Antonio Guterres, says, we're going to climate hell. We got our foot on the accelerator. And then Joe Biden gets up and he says, yeah, climate hell. We're all headed to climate hell. It's like, whoa. And so they, they break out this new Ten Commandments, this giant group of weirdo religious leaders walks up to the top of Mount Sinai and they break out the new and improved Ten Commandments. So it's gotten really, really weird. But What are the new and improved Ten Commandments? Sorry. So they're like, <laughs> I mean, you have to read it to believe it. It's okay. like um, compassion means uh, feeling the cries of Mother Earth and you have to change your inner climate. Um, God permeates everything. I mean, it's like pantheism. It's like a mixture of like weird paganism, occultism, and pantheism wrapped up into an enchilada of weirdness. Um, it, it was it was such a blasphemous atrocity. Um, wow. And so they're using the climate hoax to undermine our economy, destroy our energy systems, massively re redistribute wealth. And then what became really obvious that the latest one, they're also using it to redefine morality. 
So they don't like the old Ten Commandments. They don't. They they claimed in a report shortly before the climate conference started that the system of morality and ethics that evolved with mankind over thousands of years was now you know not really that useful for preserving Mother Earth. And so they called for uh, humanity to start making decisions based on new moral codes. And um, you know, I, I think people need to understand this climate hoax. Even though most Americans don't believe it, yeah. this climate hoax underpins so much of the globalist agenda. It's right at the center of Agenda 21. It's right at the center of Agenda 2030. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right at the center of building up communist China and taking down the United States. Yeah. So um, you know, it's uh, it's an honor and a privilege, and uh, rather unfortunate that I got to go around the world uh, chasing these people around, exposing because there, there's no media there. I, I call it the cheerleading section. Uh-huh. You know, there's thousands of journalists and right. they, they clap like trained seals when the Chin- Chinese communists announce that we're saving the world through the mm-hmm. climate process. So it's very bizarre, but I'll be headed to uh, the Middle East again uh, very soon to report on the next one. It'll be held in uh, the United Arab Emirates. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that is really cool, though, because it, it sounds like, and from what I've read, I mean, I'm very remotely just reading their documents, they really do admit what their actual agenda is. I remember reading, you know, the limits of growth and that's kind of the the genesis of a lot of this uh, climate narrative that, that they're pushing now. And then in their global reformation document, in the limits of growth was 1972, and then global reformation document was 1992. And they actually admitted that they created propaganda because nobody, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially that nobody was going to believe this junk science because it was junk science, but that they needed a common enemy to rally people you know, behind this narrative. And they decided that if they had a common enemy, then everybody would get on board. And so they decided, therefore, the enemy of humanity was man right. and himself. The enemy <laughs> is humanity. Uh, first global revolution by the Club of Rome. Um, mm-hmm. These are the same weirdos. They're still up to the same thing. And you can tell what their agenda is because their agenda has been the same. Back in the 1970s and the early 80s, they were going to save us from global cooling. Oh, yeah. And, and yet the solution to global cooling, really interesting, was exactly the same as the solution to global warming. No more freedom, uh, a, a much lower standard of living, less babies, uh, all power and authority to the United Nations. And, uh, and then they added in for good measure. They printed in uh, Newsweek 1975, The Cooling World. They said, some experts have proposed covering the Arctic ice cap with black soot to melt the ice so that it doesn't you know, take over Europe and the United States and starve us all. I mean, that's how bonkers they are. So now the solution to global warming is the same as the solution to global cooling. Give up your freedom, build up communist China, uh, no more money, etc. But so what's going on now in this climate process, aside from the whole, you know, religious pagan aspect of it, which is what I've really focused on in the last couple of years. But uh, at the last one, I actually ran into John Kerry and asked him about this. He did not want to talk. He had his goon squat around him and a face diaper on. Um, It's ridiculous. But um, so John Kerry and uh, Joe Biden essentially pled guilty for uh, on behalf of the United States of America for allegedly causing every possible disaster that you can imagine. Every drought, every flood, every fire, every storm, every hurricane, every tornado. It's all because we in the Western world had carbon emissions and we had cars and electricity and and a decent standard of living. So what's left to be decided? We've already pled guilty, or at least Joe Biden and John Kerry have pled guilty on our behalf. The European Soviet uh, called the European Union has pled guilty on behalf of the Europeans. Now what's left to be decided, that's what this next conference is about, the COP28, will be exactly how much money do we have to pay them? And they're talking trillions and trillions of dollars. And through what mechanism are we going to pay? So that'll be interesting to see. That'll be very interesting to see. I would like to back up a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It is Sorry. true. 
<laughs> Therefore, it is true. Um, I would like to back up a little bit. You were talking about how the like pagan occultic kind of element of it that you've been covering, uh, and it seems like that really does underpin all of what they're really what you know whether you call it the Great Reset, the New World Order, or at one point it was like the the Order of the New Age. I mean, they, they've had many names. <laughs> it's gone through many iterations, but essentially the agenda seems to be really the blueprint that was laid out by the Illuminati, the seven, seven steps of the Illuminati. So, and I, I imagine it really predated even that. So this doesn't seem to be new at all, but it does seem to share this kind of occultic, pagan type of, um, some might argue, Luciferian, you know, worldview. Well, what have you seen with that? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would argue uh, Luciferian. You know, Jesus Christ, I, this is how I started my speech at the Reawaken America where we just were a few days ago. Um, you know, Jesus Christ is quoted in Matthew and in Luke saying, you're either with me or against me. And so clearly they're not with him. <laughs> so that leaves one option, right? They're working for the enemy. Uh, and I think that is very, very clear through, through all of it. Uh, I do believe it goes back, I mean, you know, to the beginning, to the garden, Genesis chapter three, Satan, you know, the lies. Uh, you have the the Tower of Babel, this kind of mystery Babylonian. And it just manifested itself in different ways, and it continues to manifest itself in different ways. But the occult element is, is no longer even hidden. Um, so uh, the year I, I told you I went in 2009 to Copenhagen, the next year right. they did it in Cancun. And uh, the head of the uh, UN, it's a mouthful, it's the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCCC. She was the executive secretary, Cristiana Figueres, uh, the former president of Costa Rica. And uh, she opens up the conference. She says, hey, everybody, we're gathered here in Cancun. Uh, let's open up the conference with a prayer to the Mayan goddess Ixchel. And well, that's interesting. Whip out my laptop. So she, she goes on and says, Ixchel is the goddess of creativity and tapestries. And so, uh, dear Ixchel, we invoke you and we ask for your guidance as we weave a tapestry of creative solutions to climate change. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but mm -hmm. some such nonsense. So I'm looking up you know, who is Ixchel. Right. Turns out Ixchel is actually the goddess of cannibalism, war, and human sacrifice. <laughs> Absolutely perfect uh, creativity, goddess. Creativity, right. <laughs> right. And maybe a little creativity sprinkled on the side uh -huh. while you're sacrificing children and things. Uh, so I thought it was a perfect way to open this absolutely insane conference because what they're actually talking about here is human sacrifice millions of people will die maybe billions if they implement these totally asinine ideas that they're pursuing uh, and the occult element just keeps getting more and more obvious so uh, a couple years after that i was down in uh, rio de janeiro for the un conference on sustainable development and you know everybody who knows anything about rio has seen the big st statue christ the redeemer on top of mount corcovado uh, these, these maniacs decided to shine these vile barf green lights on on the statue of Christ. Uh, and I was hanging out with uh, Lord Christopher Monckton at the time. He hadn't been banned from all the UN summits yet. He was uh, Margaret Thatcher's uh, science advisor. And he says, oh yeah, that's a childish symbol from these weirdos that their environmental religion is now taking the place of Christianity. And, and each year it gets just more and more blatant, culminating with the, the recent one I told you on, on Mount Sinai. And I think Mount Sinai was a very strategic location. They, they did it on the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, the, the religious connotation was very clear. They had more than 40 religious events at this thing. Um, one of the ringleaders, um, uh, Dr. Azra Karam, uh, she used to work at the UN Population Fund. And so you talked about the, the Illuminati, right? If you read uh, Proofs of a Conspiracy by John Robeson, he talks about they have, and he doesn't put it in the biblical context, right. but, but if you look at their plan, we're going to abolish family. Yep. We're going to abolish private property. We're going to abolish nation states. Yep. Well, who came up with private property? 
Thou shalt not steal. Oh, yeah, that was God's idea. Who came up with family? Oh, yeah, that was God's idea, too. Uh, and in fact, he said, be fruitful and multiply. It was his very first command. Mm -hmm. uh, and who came up with the idea of nation states? Well, again, that was God. Acts yeah. chapter 17, Deuteronomy chapter 32. God divided mankind into nations because he wanted people divided in nations. Right. Um, you, know, when they, you can read that story in Genesis chapter 11. Um, God's like, hey, you guys need to spread out across the whole world. They're like, no, we're just going to build this big tower. So in Genesis chapter 11, he forces the issue and he scatters mm -hmm. them. But uh, this is really, it, it is an inversion of biblical principles and unfortunately they have co-opted almost all the religions of the world into, except for biblical christianity they've co-opted you know the vatican is now a huge player in this and a lot of catholics you know I, I interviewed a catholic priest the other day he said you know the pope is teaching doctrines of demons like but you're a catholic priest you can't say that <laughs> right? no no i can say that and i'm gonna say it. Uh, mother miriam another catholic priest said he is teaching doctrines of demons um, so he's right at the center. Of the, and, and when they went up to Mount Sinai, they had you know all kinds of pagans, all kinds of you know spirit. They, they flew in some guy with, from the Amazon with a big headdress, and they said he was a representative of uh, you know Amazonian. What was it? Something spirituality. Uh, it's just like it's really, really blatant now. They want yeah. all the religions of the world united. Yeah. Uh, Azra Karam, who I mentioned, she's the head of the Religions for Peace, which she described at the event as the UN of religions, and she said all religions of the world are part of our little group wow uh no like, uh, no not quite right but, uh, but that's their goal that is their goal and and they, they said it very clearly they and they it. do believe in manifestation through like speaking into reality the, the casting spells literally yep so i think that that would be my conjecture is yeah. that that's what she was doing well and the occultists have been very open for a long time about this this desire to bring all the religions of the world together yeah and then there's going to be these holdouts alice bailey the founder of the lucifer publishing company who was enormously influential in the creation of the un and the worldview of the un the disciple could... of uh, madame blavatsky exactly yeah, yeah the theosophist the old russian mystic uh, you know they take the biblical story and they invert it yeah they view lucifer as the good guy who was freeing mankind from this tyrannical oppressive god who had us in Prisoned in the garden, and you know, Lucifer brought us light. Lucifer brought us not. So, you know, these people actually believe this stuff. It's completely yeah. bonkers, but uh, that's what they believe. And uh, uh, Alice Bailey, she was in communication with these uh, spiritual entities. She mm -hmm. called them ascended masters. Yep. <laughs> if you read your Bible, yeah, obviously the, the wackadoodle was either talking to you know herself or demons. I mean, those are really the two options. Right. I think demons is probably it. But she she wrote several books where she talks about this that we're moving toward this new age and the religions of the world are going to come together. Mm -hmm. But then there's this great she calls it the great heresy of separateness. Mm -hmm. the, these people who don't want to participate, they insist on being in the world, but not of the world. They don't want to join arms with us in this one world religious agenda. And um, she doesn't explicitly say we're going to exterminate them. But if you read between the lines, it's yes. very clear that we can't enter the new age until all those proponents of this great heresy of separateness have stopped holding back humanity from this wonderful evolution that her demons said we were going to experience. The Demiurge. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, well, that's really interesting because uh, have you been following what the UN 100 is doing with their Age of Global Enlightenment? No. Okay. But, uh, tell me more. <laughs> okay. It, it's it's pretty dystopian. Um, but they're they're working on it and they're calling it like Agenda 2045. Mm. Um, and they're I've seen some of the plans also for Agenda 2050, which build on that. And that one seems to be more geared towards medical infrastructure 
Of course, it's all done through technocratic means with sensors and biometric data. Uh, but what they're looking at right now, and they're using Ukraine, no surprise to of me course. there, right? Yeah. Um, they, and they're, they have these summit, summits where they talk about rebuilding Ukraine. Hmm. Of course, you know. All I the think. cities will be smart. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're making it a, like a centralized locus. It's the hub that connects to all the other smart cities. Uh, but they're doing their the locus is in Ukraine. And it sounds like, I, I mean, this may be kind of a stretch to put it this way. But when you talk about, you know, their their belief system and having, you know, the eradicating the separateness and wanting to have this essentially it's the all is one right that's that's what the demiurge is going to bring and this is why it has to be the one world religion one world government everything has to be uh centralized because they it's all is one and uh, they when in talking about so uh, i'll just put the term out there but like kind of like a cyber satan is kind of that so they want it what they're calling it is like a it's an AI, um, what did they call it? The, the world brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, they, uh, this term has actually been uh, widely used by advocates of technocracy. They want this single global system that will control oh, and manage everything, right? It's the AI uh, world society. That's what it yeah. is. And the main center is going to be in Ukraine. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so and this all intersects perfectly with what Alice Bailey was talking about um, in, in her book, Education in the New Age. She talks yeah. about uh, the, the goal here is to create a world federation, by which mm-hmm. she means a world government, with a world brain. And she says education is the means by which they're going to bring people on board with this. They're going to fuse together Marxism and neo-scholasticism using the methods of John Dewey, the founding father of the public education system in America. So, so it all comes together here with this global project where everything has to be digitized. Everything has to be centrally controlled. And, and at some point, the the line between the physical and the metaphysical starts getting blurred. Right. You know, as this technology advances, you, you almost can't even distinguish anymore between supernatural and, you know, computer and technological processes. So we're, we're very rapidly approaching this. I mean, unless some something happens to slam the brakes on it, we're, we're moving rapidly in that direction. I mean, a lot of people will see this in their lifetimes. Um, I think it, we're already seeing it. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing the beginnings of it, absolutely. Yeah, um, I- yeah, when you, I, I'm totally blank for you. It'll come back to me. Um, but yeah, I, I really, we are absolutely seeing this. This is so interesting the way you just outlined that because I, I don't know that a lot of, they're masters of incrementalism, right? So, you know, they did do this little by little. And when you think about how, how John Dewey brought, and which I know you've done a lot of research and work on this and you wrote about it, uh, but how John Dewey brought this over. And when you look at his mentors, right? Wilhelm Wundt and, yeah. uh, Right. And Bill Von's grandfather was, I don't know if his grandfather or great grandfather, but was actually uh, one of the founding members of Skull and Bones. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and so the secret societies intersect with the leadership here in a very powerful way. Uh, and, and one more thing that you talked about that came to mind here. Um, another thing to go back to Alice Bailey, and I don't usually talk about Alice Bailey much, mm-hmm. but it just came up so yeah. so perfectly in this conversation. Um, she talked about, she wrote a whole book on what's called the externalization of the hierarchy. And among other things, she describes this process where all of humanity is going to be inducted into the occult, mystery, religious uh, ceremonies and rituals 
going, you know, probably clear back to ancient Babylon and, and the Tower of Babel. And I mean, if you look around you today, we're seeing this so clear. You can't turn on a stupid, I mean, a Super Bowl. You can't turn on, uh, you know, a, a big football game or a, a Grammys or an Oscar without them doing like actual satanic rituals. Yeah. They don't even hide. They wear, they wear demon horns and, and devil tails and it's like, what in the world is going on? Well, we're watching the externalization of the hierarchy where all of humanity is going to be gradually inducted into the things that previously took place behind closed doors in secret societies and buildings with no windows. So now all of humanity is going to be sucked into this in their vision, except for us. Uh, I think Obama called us bitter clingers. <laughs> clinging to our guns and our Bibles. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, we're, we're the problem. We're, the we're prob- what's holding oh, humanity back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a correction. It was not, uh, he was not the uh, founder of Skull and Bones. That was uh, the, uh, I, I, I always conflate these two. But it, his uh, great-grandfather was the, um, was known as Ricardo in the Illuminati. The way this is his code name, right? That was his code name. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was the... Uh, and Vision Moon, yeah. for the folks who aren't the familiar, he was kind of the father of behavioral psychology. Yeah. A bunch of these weirdo Americans went over the But also the PhD the program. So that that was where mm-hmm. I was going with that, right? The PhD program, the Leipzig connection. So his yep. disciple was uh, uh, William James, who brought, it, he was known as like the American father of uh, psychology. Yep. And even though Wilhelm Wundt had no degrees of his own, he then uh, created this PhD program and imported that over here. And then there was the, with John Dewey, wasn't he... One of the co-founders of the um, Humanist Manifesto. He was. He was one of the co-authors and one of the original signers of the Humanist Manifesto. And again, you know, it's right back to what we what we discussed earlier, where Jesus says, "You're either with me or against me." If you read this Humanist Manifesto, yeah, it sounds a lot like the Communist Manifesto because it is. But <laughs> yeah. like the, the, the very first plank in this, and, and I can quote it word for word, is: "We religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing and not created." Uh, in other words, uh, you know, there is no God. If you read your Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So right off the bat, they're saying, you know, we reject that. We go right. for this. And as you read into it, once you see through the communism, you know, get rid of the profit motive, a radical reorganization of the uh, means of life, things like this. And what they're really arguing is that there is no real God, and we are our own little gods. We will determine Gnostics. for ourselves what's Gnostics. right and wrong. Yeah, and, and it's actually the very same lie the oldest lie in the book, Genesis chapter 3, what Satan said in the garden, ye shall be as gods, knowing right and wrong. Um, and, and it's actually the same thing that like Yuval Noah Harari, the World Economic Forum weirdo, right? We're going to evolve into gods and uh, you know, we're going to be better than the god of the Bible. This stuff is totally bonkers, but it's, it's all based on the very same lie from Satan in the garden. They're just repackaging it for a modern audience and you've got all these otherwise really intelligent people in silicon valley who are thinking oh i'm gonna upgrade myself i'm gonna be a god i'm gonna murder the computer like you idiot you don't understand what you're saying no they don't but it is really scary because i think it is really deceptive right so like just like the theosophical or the new age that which she really she really popularized the new age movement i think a lot of people who are which brings me to my next question but I think a lot of people who subscribe to that are not necessarily inherently evil people. They think it's love and light, right? They're deceived. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, that what's what's so powerful about what they do and what's also so scary, in my opinion, is that they they do deceive and they tweak it just a little bit to meet 
the times, yep. right? So right now they bring it under the guise of the internet is just going to make things so convenient. And you were talking about, oh, this is what I was going to say before, when you were talking about uh, they're blurring uh, the metaphysical with the physical. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying, I, I feel like we're, we're going to be in reality wars soon. Yeah. Right? Where people are really arguing literally over, did that happen in the metaverse or is that happening yeah. in the physical domain? And with deep fakes and like, is that a real video? Did that person really say that or is that a, I mean, it's, we're rapidly approaching. Yeah, so this would be my next question. You've been to these meetings with uh, these crazy clowns, and as you put it, and I, I agree. Um, but do you think a lot of them, you were saying how they're kind of like cheerleader, do you think that they really know that this is, uh, like, do you think they really have a sense of the overarching plan and, you know, a clarity on the, the good versus evil battle that they may be in, immersed in or do you think that they think they're really and the, and they're wittingly uh putting it forth or do you think that they think they're doing something really good and they're deceived like what do, what do you see well it's a very good question and um you know of course i can't get into anybody's mind but sure. like you i grew up with a lot of these people i went to very elite international schools i went to ch- school with you know the children of ceos and and mega politicians and things like that billionaires um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the background that I grew up in. And none of these people would think of themselves as evildoers. Um, you know, they thought, well, if we get rid of nation states, then we won't have wars. So that'd be mm-hmm. good. And then, of course, their brainwashed think that you know, religion equals war. So a lot of these people think they're doing We're going right to have peace through war. That's what the military industrial <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, the, the Bible describes human nature as unbelievably wicked. It says the heart is desperately wicked above all things who can know it and so i think and people don't like to recognize that about themselves because they measure themselves against whatever standard they feel like measuring themselves against well i'm not adolf hitler i didn't kill us i didn't murder anybody i didn't rape anybody so so i'm a good person and like, well, what do you base that on if you base it on god's standard have you lied Oh, okay, so you're a liar. Have you stolen? Oh, so you're a thief. Have, have you had lust in your heart uh, regarding a woman? Oh, so you're an adulterer at heart. Uh, you know, a, a blasphemer, on and on the list goes. So by God's standard, we're all incredibly wicked. And and I think our sinful nature, that is, you know, we were just born with a sinful nature, drives us to justify things. So we want to think that we're good people. We want to think that we're doing good things. And I, and I think your average person, even the leaders of these UN conferences, and I know some of them, because yeah. again, I grew up with these kinds of people, they think they're saving the world from climate change, from uh, war, from right-wing extremism, from whatever the case may be. But when you get to the highest levels, when you get to the real people, the people whose names are not in the media, right. these people are consciously evil. They know exactly what they're doing. They know um, that they are just absolutely serving the wicked one um they know it and they embrace it and um and you know you've spent time in la uh, there's you listen to these people plenty of them will tell you sometimes on camera i sold my soul to satan that's how i got my money my power my influence whatever uh and you know what i'll tell you what that's a really really bad deal yeah yeah and you think they do it because they think that's a 
just because they lust after those particular things, whether it be power, or money, whatever, yeah. and they, so it's worth it for them. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, is what the Bible says. And so a lot of these people, they get when You know, the Bible repeatedly describes Satan as the god of this world. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people say, oh, so, I, I mean, Jesus went through this, right? He, mm-hmm. Satan takes him up to the mountain in Matthew chapter 4. says, look at all these kingdoms, right? Mm-hmm. He takes him up to the high mountain and they look out at the world. Look at all these kingdoms. Look at all the glory. Um, you can have it all. All you got to do is just worship me a little. And, you know, Jesus responds, of course, being God uh, the correct way. It is written, right? Uh, thou shalt worship and serve the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. So Jesus responds the correct way. No, the Bible says. Uh, some people say, ooh, I could have lots of money, and the girls are going to like me, and I could drive a fancy car, and TV camera, ooh. You know? <laughs> and they say, okay, you know, I'll have to bow down and worship you a little bit. Uh, and then a lot of them later in life think, oh my goodness, what have I done? Um, and you know, that's a, a whole other discussion. Can you undo that deal? I don't know, but um, I think you can. Yeah, I think there is redemption. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, uh, you, you would have to atone, right? Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I believe that I think, and I think that that's the great thing about humanity, and that I think that's what provides hope, is that, you know, we, we all make bad decisions, but that we, we can repent for them, and we can we can change our ways. So there is hope to do that. Yep. What do you think is... a so I have two questions. You talked about the, I guess, like the puppet masters, right? The, the names we don't see, they're not at the forefront. Do you have thoughts on who those are or, you know, what that is? So we'll start with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there are some, uh, you know, the the Rothschild dynasty is one that obviously comes to mind. You know, people right. talk a lot about George Soros. Well, George Soros got his start with Rothschild money in Switzerland, mm-hmm. made insane returns. And I can say with absolute confidence, he didn't make those because he was a good businessman. Mm-hmm. He made them because he had insider information. In fact, sure. he was convicted of insider trading in a French court. So I could say that without even worried about you coming after me, little <laughs> Mr. Soros and your minions. Um <laughs> But, um, you know, th- there are, I think, a lot of people who are totally out of the limelight, who are very influential behind the scenes. These are people who are involved in secret societies. And we, we've got some of them here on our shores, the, the Bohemian Club out in California, a bunch of weirdos with their 40-foot stone owl. And, they, you know, and, and most of the people who go there, they, they don't think, oh, this is great. We're serving Satan. They think, oh, this is a good opportunity to make business deals and meet political contracts. They think it's a great intellectual forum. Yeah. You yeah, know, when I get they to have great lectures and, and these great professors come and teach. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's a great networking. Uh, uh, Richard Nixon is a perfect example of that, right? He writes in his in his silly autobiography that the, the most important speech he gave in his entire political career was the one he gave at the Bohemian Club. And then in the tapes that came out from the White House, he, you know, he's recorded saying this is one of the most blankety blank blank homosexual things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a lot of the people who go there, they think, oh, it's just a good opportunity to network. But, you know, the people running this, they, they fully understand the implications of a 40-foot stone owl and burning an effigy of a child at the foot of the 40-foot stone owl. They're not stupid. They know what all that stuff is about. Right. Um, but, you know, your, your average politician, your Kevin McCarthy who shows up there and, you know, hobnobs with CEOs, whether he gets it, I, I suspect most of those guys are totally ignorant. Right. But then what happens is that uh, they, they use that to lever uh, power over them, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Because now they have uh, means of blackmail, means of uh, secrecy, means yep. of, you know, bribery. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You got real drunk at Bohemian Grove, and you know that girl that we brought to you? Yeah, you know, she was 15. Uh, that would look pretty bad in the newspaper. Yeah. So I would suggest strongly you vote this way when this comes up before. Co- oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is just par for the course. That, that is so routine in Washington, D.C. People have no idea. Uh, that was one of the big purposes of Jeffrey Epstein's Pedophile Island and his Lolita Express. I mean, just get dirt on these people so they can be controlled. And even if they do someday repent and say, wow, this is terrible, they, you know, they can't go out and publicly expose these guys. You got pictures of him having sex with a kid. <laughs> what are you going to do then? So, yeah, hmm? exactly. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, we know that they're trying to drive it towards this, you know, one world government and, uh, you know, essentially this uh, international world order and with the, you know, one world religion and all the things that you were just laying out. What, what do you think is going to happen? How successful do you think? That, and it seems like they're doing it all under the guise of, as you mentioned, the climate, but it's the 17 sustainable goals. Yeah. And they're using that to drive a lot of these. It, it really is like a, it's almost like a, a supranational fascist uh, entity because it's really you know these international conglomerates that are putting pressure in each country it's really not like it's coming just from dc for instance yeah it, it far well, supersedes that so if you look at it objectively yeah. they're almost there right they, yeah. the, the the united nations purports to represent virtually every national government on the planet uh, the World Economic Forum uh, represents you know, the Fortune 500. They signed a, a strategic partnership with the United Nations to bring the business community to the table. Then uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Religions for Peace earlier. They had a big meeting in 2019 in Germany. Uh, and they all agreed. They signed a declaration purporting to represent all the religions of the world saying that we hereby commit to human development as outlined in Agenda 2030. So you've got all the religions of the world, all the big businesses of the world, all the governments in the world, all pulling in the same direction. And then you have, you know, little people like us saying, no, this is crazy, stop it. Um, and so, you know, objectively speaking, they're very, very close to a one world religion, a one world economic system, a one world political system. Um, you know, and, and I don't think they'll leap straight into world government. They've added, outlined their strategy clearly many times. The strategy is first create regional governments, yeah. the European Union like being power the blocks. example. Right. You know, Putin's building his Eurasian Union in South America. They got the Union of South American States. Here they're working on the North American Union. Africans are having a, an African Union imposed on them right now. So, you know, I don't know how close they are BRICS. to that. Yeah, the, the BRICS. But, and you know what's interesting about the BRICS is the the Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, each one of them represents the main power in their respective regional unions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Latin American powerhouse is Brazil, by far the biggest economy and the most powerful country. South Africa, by far the most powerful country within the African Union. Uh, Russia, by far the most powerful country within the uh, Eurasian Economic Union that Putin is. So, so what's happening is, and Henry Kissinger outlined this in his book, World Order, mm-hmm. says the contemporary quest for world order will involve establishing order within regions and then relating these regions to one another, these regional orders to one another, just substitute order for government. Right. And that's what they're doing. Um, and so will they succeed? You know, as a Christian, I think we need to look at this in light of the Bible and, you know, Orthodox Christianity, by which I mean just Christianity that is faithful to the Bible. I don't mean any particular denomination. I'm not talking about the Eastern Orthodox churches, uh, has had a wide array of views on eschatology. You know, there there are the premillennial voices, which, you know, that's pretty much dominates the, the church in America today. The idea that, yes, the satanic one world government is coming. Um, it, it'll last for a time and then Christ is going to destroy it. 
Um, that's you know the dominant view today, and I can understand why people would hold that. It certainly looks like that's the direction mm-hmm. we're headed in. Uh, there are other views, you know, the amillennial view, the postmillennial view. Uh, you know, the postmillennial view holds that the gospel will continue to go forth, the nations will continue to be discipled, and uh, you know, even as evil grows, um, you know, the God's kingdom will grow in tandem, and ultimately, you know, Christ will come rule and reign and smash all the evil. So, will they get their satanic one-world government? If they do, it's going to be for a very, very limited time period. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that because, um, you know, read Revelation chapter 19, um, Christ is coming back and uh, it's not going to be as a baby this time. So, Right, right. Um, and he, I, I would just put it out there to people who may not be believers, you know, there is Pasquale's wager and this is probably one of those things you might want to act as though there is. God, just in case, right? Just in case, right? Yeah. Uh, what What are your thoughts on? So you were saying that if it, if it does come about, it would be you know a very limited, let's hope, uh, time. Do you think that it, it's like inevitable, or do you think that we we can stop it or derail their plans? I I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. So Mm -hmm. if it happens, it's because God allowed it, and it'll Mm -hmm. be to show his power and his glory. Um, I do believe we have an obligation to resist, to fight, to expose. For example, in in my journalism, my motto has always been uh, Ephesians 5, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unproved works of Mm -hmm. darkness, but rather reprove them or expose them. So, you know, that's my little tiny piece of the puzzle. Um, Can they be stopped uh, at this point by us? No. I mean, they've got all the money, all the power, all the media, all the institutions, the businesses, governments, religions we just went over. Right. They've got everything. All that's left standing in the way is, you know, these bitter clingers in in the United <laughs> States of America and, you know, a handful scattered around the world who uh, who are opposed to this. But um, yeah, they, they've got all the levers of power. Um, but, you know, I, I guarantee I, I would give I would bet anything if I were a betting man. This is not going to succeed. These people think they're going to succeed. They think they're going to set up this one world system and they're going to rule over humanity, what's left of humanity, like slave masters. Um, They are absolutely wrong. And, um, you know, my advice to them would be to repent now because you're you're not going to get away with this. Um, You're absolutely not going to get away with this. Uh, And I would urge people out there, even though the odds look grim, you have an obligation to get involved, um, you know, selling out and, and going with them because you think they're going to win uh, is, is first of all, evil. Second of all, it's incredibly stupid. So I'm into that. What are your thoughts on what's going on right now with the, uh, it, it kind of looks like they're trying to foment World War Three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because war, they've shown over and over again, they know this, they say this publicly, yeah. is the fastest mechanism for bringing about their dissolution of nation states yeah uh, you know world war one was a good example i mean today did, what you expect us to believe that tens of millions of people had to die because an archduke was was assassinated Wait, who, who believed which they that? knew was happening right but, I mean, yeah. it's totally ludicrous and so what happened after world war one well they set up the league of nations uh, the only reason the league of nations didn't take off is because the u.s senate was wise enough to say you know, no thank you we're not going to be participating in that uh world war ii again right what what was born in the aftermath of world war ii the United Nations, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the European Coal and Steel Community, which eventually birthed the European Union. All of the modern institutions of globalism that we know today were born in the ashes of World War II. So what will they get out of World War III? 
radical acceleration toward this. And, and they actually said this. Um, the State Department commissioned a report back in the early 1960s from a guy called Lincoln Bloomfield. He's a, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Well, he's, he, you know, intelligence, secret society, that all runs right through him. And uh, he explained in this report, the title gives away the agenda, a world effectively controlled by the United Nations. Mm-hmm. So no beating around the bush there. No. Uh, and he concludes that, uh, you know, with present trends, evolutionary trends, it'll take hundreds of years to get us to a one world government, to a world effectively controlled by the United Nations. He says a way to make it go much faster is to use war or the threat of war as mm-hmm. the catalyst, because that will shake people's views it will uh, dismantle people's attachments to their own nation states and national sovereignty so that they can then move ahead with this one world project. And so do they want a World War Three? Absolutely. If they don't get it out of Ukraine, Russia, they'll get it out of Israel and the Arabs. If they don't get it out of that, they'll get it out of China and Taiwan. If they, and, you know, Dami, don't get me wrong. I, I, I sympathize very much with. Uh, you know, with the the Ukrainians who are fighting for their country, with the the Israelis who are fighting for for their country, for the Taiwanese who are resisting this, you know, communist onslaught. I I sympathize with those things. But what's happening here is a manipulated process where they're trying to start a broader global conflagration. And we may be right at the edge of it. Yeah. And uh, when you say, you know, it's a uh, broader manipulation, I mean, people often who don't know the history of those various places don't realize in many cases they were set up to present the Hegelian dialectical conflict. Yeah. Oh, they love fomenting COVID. I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you see this in the Arab world really clearly. And, you know, I, I have plenty of sympathy for the Arabs as well. You know, I've been to the West Bank or Judea and Samaria as the Jews call it. I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East. Uh, I've got lots of sympathy for them, but they, they've even created this whole identity, this thing called Palestinian. Nobody had ever heard of a thing right. called Palestinian. It was just the name that the, first the Romans and later the British gave for this territory. Yep. And you know, there wasn't like a nation of Palestine or a people who were Palestinian. But after several generations of teaching kids that your Palestinian homeland was occupied by these evil apes and pigs and monkeys, Jews, uh, you got to kill them, uh, and, and you know, you're going to restore your Palestinian... Yeah, that has a profound effect on these people. So they've created this conflict that will now perpetually fester. Uh, you know, they did the two-state thing, right? They created the Transjordan, which became the Jordan. And you know, so the Jews got a piece and the Arabs got a piece. But no, that's not enough. Now you got to create this new identity. It's um, it, it's very strict. And, and China and Taiwan, same thing, right? Uh, Robert Welch actually predicted, uh, what, 60, maybe 70 years ago now, that eventually they were going to use that to start a global conflagration. North and South Korea, same mm-hmm. thing. You know, they, they wanted the north of the Korean Peninsula to be enslaved by the communists. And then they did everything possible to make sure that the north would be under communist rule, up to the point of literally handicapping our military. I mean, John MacArthur talked about this, uh, our, our great general. They would not even let him bomb the targets that he needed to bomb to be able to win the war. Why? Because they wanted this perpetual source of conflict. And, of course, I'm not justifying the, the horrific atrocities perpetrated by the gangster in North Korea. But the reality is evildoers wanted this situation to prevail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a lot of the places that you mentioned have... Uh, you know, been under the umbrella of British imperialism. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts? I have this kind of strange theory that it's a, you know, a lot of evidence does point towards the, you know, Milner, Mm -hmm. Fabian groups and the round tables and uh, the crown. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, But I feel like there's kind of a, uh, you know, a consortium, if you will, of the three city states working together. Uh, you know, being the Vatican, uh, the the 
city of London as well as Washington, D.C., and that it's not just under the umbrella of the British imperialists. What, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. And, you know, I, I think the British Empire is really interesting because on the one hand, wonderful things resulted from the British Empire. I mean, they, their British missionaries took the gospel to every corner of the world. They brought civilization, rule of law to places where they were still, you know, eating each other and sacrificing children to demons. And, you know, so, so the arrival of the British Empire was actually represented a, a huge benefit to the people who mm-hmm. were being quote unquote colonized right and we're not allowed to say that anymore right. but, but it's, it's true right yeah. i mean imagine living in the you know some rainforest jungle and you're, you're worried about your kid getting sacrificed to some demon or you're worried about you know is the next tribe over going to come over and kill you and eat you right it's it's, it's crazy and so America. it is and, yeah. and so the spread of quote unquote civilization through the british empire was a, a great positive thing for many but there's always been that undercurrent there, this diabolical, and it, you know, it didn't start with Cecil Rhodes and Milner and, and these guys. Uh, there's always been that really wicked thread that runs through it as well. And um, and I think that's really like, it, it's almost like the world itself, right? It, you know, we, we talked about the spread of this one world satanic government. Well, even as that's happening, at the same time, the gospel is being preached in every corner of the world. And, and so great things are happening at the same time. So these are kind of growing together in parallel. Uh, I don't believe that the what's left of the British Empire or even the original British Empire is the be all and end all. Um, but I believe it, it's certainly an important part. And, you know, I think Cecil Rhodes and the, the societies that he set up, the roundtable groups and things, I think that was a really important part of it. Sure. You know, you see the manifestations of it, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. These are all very important institutions in the march toward globalism. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not one who just says, you know, the British and the British Empire are all evil, 100 mm-hmm. percent evil. In fact, I okay. think they've, they've done a lot of good for the world as well. Sure. I think that's what makes it uh not not to be you know all like uh, paranoid pointing the finger but in some ways i think that actually makes it even more uh confusing for Mm -hmm. people because uh, you know people really want there to be just like one boogeyman yeah it's so so, much easier right there's just one bad guy it just makes it so simple um, but it's not that simple. No. Uh, again, uh, to go back to that Bible verse that I keep harping, you're either with me or against me. Right. Um, you know, the enemies of God are scattered around the world in different manifestations, different power centers. They don't even necessarily have to be consciously coordinating. Sure. But, um, you know, this evil force has been yeah. inexorably active. And uh, you know, now it's coming out of the closet. So. <laughs> right, yeah. And I, I don't even think a lot of times that it is necessarily, you know, when I when we talk about like the they, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a shared worldview rather than, and oftentimes within that there are conflicting interests yeah, and competing interests, uh, but they do have a shared worldview. So it looks like they're working concomitantly yep. when in fact, oftentimes it's just that they, their motivations uh, are, you know, an underpinning of a similar worldview. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and they often turn on each other, too. I mean, these are yeah. people with no morals. These are people who are worse than gangsters. I mean, Stalin is just such a good example. Of that. The, the vast majority of his hot, top deputies and lieutenants ended up exterminated in purges. Right. And, and so these clowns, if they go, oh, I'm going to you know, throw in my lot with these guys because they're going to end up in charge. You're just as likely to get put up against a wall and shot as uh, any of the people that you think they're going to be coming after. So, you know, don't don't deceive yourself. Being part of their little cabal doesn't right. mean you're going to be safe. Um, no. You know, you're, you're dealing with wicked people who have no sense of morality or loyalty.
Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. So do you think we will get the World War III, or do we think this is going to be quieted down? I think it's very possible. Um, you know, I, I, I'm or not World one. World War IV, some people would argue. Right, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm not normally one for making, like, specific predictions, sure. but I, I do think that they're going to try to kick off a global conflagration. They want millions of people to die, and by the time it's all over, you know, they're organizing a food crisis, a water crisis. I think they're trying to organize a civil war here. By the time all the uh, now the World Economic Forum is calling it a poly crisis. By the time this poly crisis is passed with the wars, the famines, the, the diseases, all the rest of it, people will just be begging, uh, you know, please, I, I want to feed my children. I just desperate you know, people do desperate things. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't want bombs dropping on my city anymore. Like whatever it takes, if it means the U.N. is going to be the world government, Fine, just make all this craziness stop and people will be ready for it. So, yeah. So, what do you think? I, I, I guess I'll make it two part, uh, but what do you think people can do in terms of protecting the children? I know you've written a lot about education. You have several children of your own, so personally invested. Uh, and it does seem like there really is a war out for the children. I think. For many reasons, strategically, of course, they're the next, they're the future. Right. So, you know, they want to shape and groom them and, uh, you know, brainwash them. And uh, they're, and I think also just according to their belief system, they, they want to sacrifice them. So what can be done to protect them in many regards? And then also what do you think people, what would you say is incumbent upon good, decent people who do not subscribe to uh, the one world vision uh, to do to stop it? Well, I would say, first of all, when it comes to the children, um, I I almost can't say it in stronger terms. You need to get your children out of the government schools like yesterday. If you haven't done it already, you need to do it like I now. Would, I would argue if I could, that I really think, and I know this is so daunting for a lot of people, but really get them out of all schools because yeah. most schools really have some so true. some kind of government funding. Yep. And then who's pulling the strings? Yep. And uh, yeah, it's so, so true. So so many of the, even the Christian schools now have gone yeah. woke. They're using recycled government textbooks. They're they're preaching the the you know the the race stuff and the sex stuff. It, it's outrageous. I, I do believe homeschooling is the gold standard. But uh, you know whatever it takes, it, whatever sacrifice. I don't. Yeah, I tell people I would live in a cardboard box yeah. before I would send my kids to a public school. People say, oh, I, I don't have enough money. Oh, that's a nice 2022 BMW you got in the driveway. You know, that's a nice vacation home. You tell me you can't afford to educate your own kids. But I think also, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that part of that problem is this perception that they need to do school at home. And I, I would argue that you don't do school at home. Right. Don't do school. It's, yeah. It's so bad. And you and, and, learn, kids learn. I mean, you learn math going through life. You learn, they can read, you teach them how to read and then they can go and follow what interests them and they can do deeper research. But Yep. I think they learn much more actually being immersed. I mean, once upon a time, like in the in the early days of school, quote unquote school, as we think of it, you had children of all ages and grades, right? I, I very consciously tried to teach myself when I I'm talking to kids not to ask them what grade they're in, mm -hmm. because that that is a whole part of the conditioning. And I think yeah. you actually learn so much more when you're not in a specific. Absolutely, segregating children by yeah. age is so ridiculous. I mean. Why? Right. right. Uh, but the, the whole system is wrong. So the, these parents who think that homeschooling means doing government school at home, like you couldn't be more wrong. Like 
uh, you, you don't want to do that. So, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies of home education. You've got everything from like the unschoolers who are like, you know, just do whatever you want, you know, learn something or play video games, whatever. You know, I, I don't subscribe to that, but I certainly respect uh, parents' right to, to choose that. And I know of children who have done a wonderful job educating themselves because they're curious, they're allowed to follow their passions, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are some children who are very well suited to that. Other children, like I've got one, uh, you know, if you let him do that, he'd play video games all day. <laughs> uh, so it, I think a lot depends on the child. Sure. But it, it, I, I mean, I can't emphasize strongly enough, get your kids out, uh, try to protect them as best you can, at least while you have them. Uh, from the evil influences of the world. You know, they don't need a social media stuff. I, I, I don't give my kids a smartphone. They don't need a smartphone. If they need to call somebody, they can borrow my non-smartphone. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so we don't do any of those things. Uh, and as far as um, stopping this, um, you know, again, whether we can stop it or not, right. is a whole separate question. But I think all of us have an obligation to mm -hmm. be involved in this battle against evil. And, you know, I think that that's going to look different for everybody. You know, right. me, I'm in, in media, you're in media. So, right. you know, we do one thing. We bring truthful, accurate information as best we understand it yeah. to the people so that they can then put it to good use. Other people, you know, you might be serving in government. Well, if you're serving in government, figure out how can I work to stop this? If you're a sheriff, you can say, well, we're not going to allow tyranny in this county. If you're a state legislator, you can pass laws saying we're not going to obey unconstitutional fake laws and mandates from the federal government. If you're in Congress, you could say, well, we're not going to fund Joe Biden's tyranny. Uh, right. So, you know, whatever level you're at, if you're if you are just a parent, you can you know protect your children. If you are uh, a lawnmower, right, you can get involved in, in the next election. Right. Maybe you have a little bit of extra time. Go knock on doors for a good candidate. Um, or if you don't have time, maybe write them a check. Um, and, and just even in our own daily lives, like stop shopping from companies that hate you, that are working toward this agenda. Right. Um, you know, stop giving your tacit endorsement to this evil and, and learn how to say no. You know, we really do need that. That's one thing that during COVID, if, if, if no other lesson was learned, the lesson really needs to be you have to at some point say, no, I'm not doing yeah. it. I'm not letting you go another step. Yeah. I think uh, along with that would probably be to uh, really question the messaging, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, so much of the propaganda is what puts people in a position of buying the narratives, then therefore not being able to say no because they've been so conditioned. Yep. Uh, and usually yeah. is so terrified that they yeah. fall prey. But I mean, I'm seeing it now too with the like the Israel-Palestine uh, conflict, right? People are so quick to. Is it like that, that meme, the joke that I support the current thing? Yeah, right. right? So, <laughs> right. so everybody's very quick to put up their, I stand with, yeah. I think. And, and canceling the people who think something's yes. different. Oh, it's, it, I went on a rant on that about that today. I was just like, you know, we got to have more grace with each other. You know, the, the yes. evildoers, they're marching in lockstep. Notice they never throw each other under the bus. No. Like, folks, we're all trying to navigate this. None of us have it perfectly and none no. of us are going to get it perfect. And so... Even if people who agree with us on 80, 90 percent of things have a different opinion, sure. we, we've got to have more grace. We've got to be forgiving. And, um, you know, we got to start treating otherwise decent people as our enemy just because they come down on, on a different side. Even on like the COVID vaccine stuff, yeah. you know, like the guy's not your enemy just because he's a doofus and he watched too much CNN. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's not his fault. And, and you know, at some point he'll probably come to his senses and. Uh, recognize. So we, we really do, as as people who love liberty, as people who love our country, we've got to stop being so quick to 
cancel each other and throw each other under the, under the bus just because we disagree on one or two or five things. Yeah, absolutely. And to have some grace for that, none of us are impervious to conditioning and programming, right? right? We're all uh, vulnerable to that. Yeah. And we've all subscribed to it in some way, shape, or form because yep. we don't know what we don't know. That's right. We all have our blind spot. Yeah. Um, and uh, really, probably just to uh, ask some more questions, because a lot of us don't know wh- how it is that we got to where we are today. Yeah. And as you just outlined with the, the climate narrative, this has been going on for decades. And they the reason they're so successful in marching towards their goals is because they have laid out this groundwork and that they've conditioned us with so much programming and propaganda uh, selling us these narratives, and a lot of them have unfortunately been successful. But if you know the history of how they did that, then we would ask more questions and maybe not be so quick to jump. Yeah, e- education, you know, is just critical. We as adults, we need to educate ourselves. We need to be reading books. I do encourage people to read your Bible. It's, it's going to be a source mm-hmm. of strength and truth for you um, in, in these really confusing and crazy days that we're headed into. Uh, be in prayer. Uh, you know, ma- make sure your your house is in order. You know, make sure that. Um, you can last for a little while if, if, you know, the grocery store isn't open for a week or two or three, um, you know, make sure that, uh, your, your relationship with your wife or your husband and your children is in good shape. Um, you know, we, we really need to be strong in these times that are coming. And and that means spiritual and moral and, and also physical, you know, we want to be as healthy as we can be. Um, cause I, I really do think we're headed into some intense times, but um, it's going to be interesting and exciting, and it's we're going to have plenty to do. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I've taken plenty of your time, but thank you so much. If you have anything else you want to add, please do. Of course, tell everybody where they can find you and all the great work you're doing. Oh, well, thank you, Courtney. I, I so appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, your, your podcast is awesome, and you're, mm-hmm. you're just doing so much good work, so it's an honor to be here. Uh, for the folks who want to follow me, the easiest way is probably go to my website, libertysentinel.org. You can sign up for my newsletter there. It's free. Um, I serve a senior editor at the New American Magazine. You can go to thenewamerican.com. Great publication to, to break down these things. Um, I do a show that goes out through six or seven networks called The Sentinel Report. You can watch that uh, at Lindell TV or Brighteon or you know whatever platform you use, Blessed News Network. Um, and then uh, I write for a lot of other publications, but I, I try to put at least a little bit of everything either on uh, X or Twitter and on my website, libertysentinel.org. So, so he's like a total lazy bum sitting on, yeah, right, pulling that, his thumb, doing absolutely me. nothing, obviously. <laughs> I, I don't know how you find time in the day. You, you must have uh, 48 hour days that I'm not aware of. But, uh, <laughs> so, but thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you for watching. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.